Welcome to Foresight Friday Roundup, Foresight Health's podcast series for healthcare revolutionaries. Outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Hello again, everyone. This is Dave Berta, news editor at Foresight Health. It is Friday, August 26th. I haven't stolen or hidden away any classified documents, so I don't expect the FBI to knock on my door with a search warrant looking for them. That's only for people whom the government suspects of breaking the law and putting the national security of our country at risk. Thank you, FBI. It's really not that complicated. Lock the guy up. What is complicated is what's happening in hospital and health system C-suites across the country, and that's what we're going to talk about on today's episode of The Roundup. Our topic is, are we on the cusp of a massive wave of hospital and health system CEO turnover? To tell us what they think is going to happen and why are Dave Johnson, founder and CEO of Foresight Health, and Julie Murchison, partner at Transformation Capital. Hi, Dave. Hi, Julie. How are you guys doing this morning? Dave? Well, I've been in Seattle for the last week, primarily for the HFMA board strategy session, and then I stayed over a couple extra days to visit with friends. Fantastic weather. Uh, the week began with hiking in Mount Rainier National Park and ended last night with dinner on a boat in Lake Washington. The view from Lake Washington of downtown Seattle is just magical. Julie, I'm sure you see that all the time. Uh, and it's back to Chicago today. So I'm doing great. Yeah, great. Sounds like a great time. Safe travels, Dave. Thanks. Julie, how are you? I am suffering from a lot of jet lag and complaining teenagers who had too much art and history shoved down their throat. So I'm excited to just have a little long time. That's great. Welcome back. They'll thank you one day, Julie. They will. I, I assure you that. I hope so. It was painful. Yeah, not until like mid to late 20s. Now, before we talk about CEO turnover, I wanted to ask you about how far off the grid you guys were on your recent vacations. Dave, you had a lengthy staycation and then a trip to Michigan. Now you're in Seattle. Did you do any work? Did you check email? Did you respond to work text or were you uh, totally checked out? Dave, I, I hardly remember vacations. It's been all work and no play for DJ. I do remember that Terry and I celebrated our 38th wedding anniversary at our happy place in Michigan, watching the sunset over Lake Bakatawa and listening to the two dudes in flip-flops, my favorite group. And we only used our phones there for pictures. So I, I think I unplugged a little bit. At least I hope I did. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> you are back from vacation. That's a real tell. Julie, how about you? Uh, when you were in Italy, were you totally unplugged, partially unplugged, or totally plugged in? Well, I took my laptop, which my husband was shocked by, but I took it solely so I could work on the plane on the way home. It's a long flight and there's plenty to do. But my rule for vacations is I'm probably not going to be on email. So you need to text me if you need to look at something. So I did a couple of things there, but I was largely unplugged. That's great. Good for you. We did most of our vacation travel in the first quarter, and I'm embarrassed to say that I did bring my mobile office. I was plugged in one or two hours a day when no one else was looking, of course. Old habits die hard. Maybe that's a good segue into our topic today, and that's CEO turnover at hospitals and health systems. Now, it hasn't changed much, at least according to the latest CEO turnover stats from the American College of Healthcare Executives. Over the past 10 years, the turnover rate has averaged about 18% a year, staying in the 16 to 20% range for the last decade. 
But there are some signs that things may be changing. 62 hospital CEOs left their positions through the first six months of this year, compared with 42 over the same period last year, according to the latest CEO turnover report from the search firm Challenger, Gray, and Christmas. You know, I do think that firm gets a lot of publicity just because of their name. Don't ever change. The median-based salary of healthcare executives rose 4.5% this year, according to Sullivan Cotter's latest annual healthcare compensation survey. The benefits consulting firm said the bump reflects, quote, an increasingly competitive marketplace for talent at hospitals and health systems nationwide, close quote. And the resignation that caught everyone's attention, Mark Harrison quitting as president and CEO of Intermountain Healthcare, one of the country's leading health systems, to become a venture capitalist. To me, that's like quitting as head football coach at Notre Dame, you know, to what, run a fast food chain? I'm not sure what the second half of that analogy should be. Uh, Dave, Julie, maybe you could help me out there later. Anyway, Dave, what do you think is going on? Is this an aberration or a trend? If it is a trend, what's behind it? And what does it ultimately mean for the progress toward value-based care? Well, I admire Mark Harrison enormously, a cancer survivor, a courageous leader. It really is quite a statement that, that he's leaving to go into the venture capital world. On a related note, I'm writing the preface for Steve Clasco's new book, Staying Alive. Part of that is about how hospitals and health systems can stay alive. Glasgow is the former CEO of Jefferson, who retired at the end of last year. And Steve's going to be Mark's running buddy at General Catalyst. Ron Paulus, former CEO at Mission Health, is also there. They're all new age healthcare leaders. I'm very curious to see what they're going to do, but it speaks to the fact that a lot of the vision, energy, talent is jumping ship. And I think that's reflective of a much broader, almost existential question for the leaders that are leaving behind. You know, the adrenaline's run out from responding to COVID. They're losing, in some cases, hundreds of millions of dollars from operations. Uh, There doesn't seem to be any more incremental funding coming from the government. Many are ditching value-based care and population health, where a lot of energy has been focused these last few years to focus on the core business, hospital operations. That's where the money is. Amy Compton Phillips describes this repositioning strategy as taking the horses back into the burning barn. It must be very dispiriting. And it does speak to this larger issue, almost a crisis of confidence in a leadership vacuum. Leaders that remain know the system's broken. Hospitals and we've been talking about this for years, are asset-heavy and often with crappy assets. Uh, public sentiment seems to be turning against them in many respects. They're forced to double down on failing strategies. It feels like there's no passion left for that. And on top of everything else, there's this sense of a quitting culture or presenteeism that those that are staying are just kind of checking out and, and doing the basics. Contrast that to the HFMA where... You know, we had our strategy session this week. HFMA, 90,000 members in finance. It's beating hard historically has been revenue cycle. And their leadership team with Joe Pfeiffer at the helm and Joe's retiring next June has repositioned the entire company around the just cause of cost effectiveness of health. At one point, Joe was pounding on the table this last week saying, 
I know it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do for our members. It's the right thing to do for society. It's the right thing to do for the American people. And I got to tell you, that type of courage and vision is just too rare in, in our industry. And when you see it in action, I mean, there isn't turnover at DHFM. Hey, I mean, everybody's excited about the new direction, trying to figure out how to make it work, you know, unlocking human potential in, in, in enormous ways. Where are we going to find that passion, vision, courage, and energy uh, in health systems? We need it. It's not going to get easier. Without it, it's going to be a slow march toward oblivion for many systems, more consolidation, closures, and so on. So I think I don't mean to be too negative, but I'm worried about it. Slow march to oblivion. <laughs> That's definitely glass half empty, Dave, but thanks. Julie, any questions for Dave? Yeah, Dave, you might have already answered this in, in some ways, but do you forecast that this retirement trend will get a lot worse over the next one to two years? And what do you think is going to be impact on consolidation? Well, my sense is consolidation is by necessity is going to pick up. There's just too much inefficiency at large in the industry. And that being the case, we're going to have to figure out ways to create larger systems that can eliminate duplicative costs and so on. Um, as you know, most of the industry is nonprofit. It's, it's hard to do consolidation in nonprofit because you don't have the money to trade like you do in the for-profit world. So you end up negotiating over board seats and name and corporate headquarters and who's going to be the leader. Given that pressure, it wouldn't surprise me at all that the pace of uh, retirements, resignations uh, increases, uh, you know, like it has been and maybe needs to. You know, the, the question, as I just alluded to, is who are the new leaders that are going to emerge, particularly as the baby boomers leave the scene, to provide the new vision, the new energy, and take the industry where it needs to be. It's not like we can have a society without hospitals, but what exactly that's going to look like isn't clear right now. But I think more change in, in the immediate future rather than less. Interesting. Thanks, Dave. Julie, I'm going to ask you to look at this aberration or trend from a different perspective, and that's innovation. If there's turmoil in the C-suite of hospitals and health systems, what does that mean for their organization's digital transformation? Does it stall? Does it stay the course? Does it speed up? And from an entrepreneur's or investor's perspective, what does it mean to have to deal with a different person all the time? Yeah, well, it's already happening. I mean, huge systems out there like Trinity Health have cut much of their strategic investment team, and they largely led their digital health work. I hear that CHI is undergoing you know, significant integration of their digital and innovation teams. Dave talked a few weeks ago about innovative executives like Amy, poised for CEO positions, abruptly leaving in the face of this archaic strategy shifts. So, you know, anytime C-suites shift around, stalls happen. When CEOs shift, you know, people pretend that they can keep going for a while until the new CEO is in place, but everybody knows that big spending efforts can ground to a halt. So at the end of the day, well, some stalls will happen. It's the financial situations that are just dire and driving many of these departures that are really calling for fast action. And CEOs and their CFOs, I guess, <laughs> CEOs are leaving. CFOs need to control the bottom line where COVID's put the revenue to test and none of these teams have really sufficiently decreased 
infrastructure costs in the way so many warned would need to happen. So here we are. The HMA survey, actually, I just read, said that in 2022, 75% of CFOs are planning to decrease the operating budget compared to 27% in 2021. So I actually think that any innovative solution that speaks to the CFO where costs can be controlled in the next 12 months and the following three years may actually see some acceleration. Again, HMA cited that leading health systems will increase investment in things like cloud migration, digital front door, cybersecurity, and ERP. And there's probably only one or two of those I would classify as true innovation, but they're certainly technology-driven efficiency, and, and that's good. What's difficult to watch, honestly, is that solutions that could truly shift business models in the way that we talk about here all the time will fall out of favor because of the return of the old unsustainable business models. And you know, it goes without saying that it's a nightmare for entrepreneurs, hard stop. Not only do they lose their contacts they've been talking with, but they're forced to rethink their value proposition in ways that are probably not you know, as fulfilling as they could be. And while this can be healthy, of course, it runs a risk of massive truncation. So there's a there's a lot of that out there. Interesting. Who you're targeting with your value proposition. Thanks, Julie. That's great. Dave, any questions for Julie? Always have questions for Julie. Dave, you referenced Mark Harrison's resignation, which caught many of us by surprise uh, from Intermountain. And in his letter, He had this quote, I want to take the opportunity to have maximum impact on the evolution of healthcare toward value. Toward that end, I would start a revolutionary healthcare platform company with General Catalyst, the most socially responsible venture capital company in this space. I guess, Julie, what do you think about this announcement? And secondly, if if Mark were to ask you, he very well may, how would you describe the necessary components of a revolutionary healthcare platform? Well, we might need a whole other podcast just to talk about what a revolutionary (laughs) healthcare platform might look like. But I actually think the Mark Harrison's of the world are the silver lining of this story. Because just think of what those executives you know, like Mark and so many pondering retirement right this very second can do as leaders of innovative companies and advisors and board members. I mean, they might be able to help more from the outside of a health system than from the inside. And I think many of the digital innovation leaders know that as well. So I think Mark stepping out and doing this, first of all, is probably pretty consistent with his personality in general. And second, you know, he can do a lot of good. Now, what revolutionary means today, I think is a little bit, uh, I don't want to call it scary, but revolutionary, there are a lot of revolutionary solutions out there that need to sell into the current business models. And Mark's statement about revolutionary makes you think this big new thing that's going to solve all the problems, the easy button. And you know, unless he's planning on starting something that basically competes with what Amazon's doing, Quantum Medical, or, you know, some of the larger platforms, Revolutionary needs to be able to be sold into the current system. And, you know, whether it's consumer-centered platforms or any host of different kinds of solutions that don't quite exist today in a way that's efficient for health systems, it's going to be hard to scale anything right now. So you could do more outside than you can inside. That's a 
really great insight into how the healthcare system works. Thanks, Julie. The only thing I'll add to the conversation is a story I assigned to a reporter way back in 2004 about all these hospital and health system CEOs retiring in their mid-50s, usually at the age of 57. You know, kind of like rock stars dying when they're 27. It was a trend. I think our conclusion was, get well, the getting is good. You know, why stick around and get fired? If you have a target on your back, once you get into your mid-50s, that's when someone up the chain thinks they could hire two or three of you for the same price and get better results. But it never works, does it? Dave and Julie, your ideas will never go out of style. Now let's briefly talk about other news this week. Julie, what other news broke this week that we should be talking about? Well, it's hard to close a week without talking about how Amazon is closing Amazon Care. And I was sort of stunned, honestly, by the amount of chatter on social about this and people that were shocked by this because I looked at this and said, oh, this is you know, Amazon practicing the traditional fail fast mentality. And I think that's what it is, honestly. I, I don't know if you guys have looked into the history of this, but Samuel Beckett is the one that first coined the try again, fail again, fail better mantra. And I think what Amazon is doing is they're just learning how to either fail better or maybe finally succeed. We'll see. Interesting. Thank you. Dave, any other news come across the wire that caught your attention? The only thing I'd add, and I agree with the failing fast and so on, is I took it as good news because it clears the way for one medical to be the primary model that Amazon brings into the marketplace. And as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I'm, I'm very bullish on the one medical model you know, combined with the Amazon capital tech patience and scale, right? I take that as largely goodness. And I, I guess, Julie, like you, I've been a little surprised that sort of the reaction of, you know, well, this means Amazon's getting out of healthcare kind of uh, sentiment that, that's out there. But as we know, anything Amazon does amps up the blogosphere. So I wouldn't be surprised if we do yet another program on this in the not too distant future. You know, right before we got on, I, I did check the news. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but Moderna is suing Pfizer for patent infringement over COVID vaccines. Oh, now that's something. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know if I would have predicted it, but it's very pharma-like behavior. So uh, thanks, Dave. And thanks again, Julie. That is all the time we have for today. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed on today's show, please visit our website at foresighthealth.com. And if you follow our show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite streaming service, you'll get notified each time a new episode is available. And don't forget to tell a friend about Foresight Friday Roundup. Subscribe now and don't miss another segment for the best 20 minutes in healthcare. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Berta for Foresight Health.